Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. You are live with the LARCast. We're back. We're back with another LARCast. We are back. Yes. And I am excited. On a scale of one to 10, how excited are you? Well, based off my voice, people might be like, I think he's a two. But what they don't know is I'm actually a 10. I'm uh, pretty stoked about this conversation, man. Definitely are one of those dudes that doesn't necessarily like wear your emotions on your sleeve. Sure. Unless I'm arguing. If it's a passionate argument, I've been told that my emotions come out. You definitely rise to the occasion in an argument for sure. Yeah. But outside of that, I would, I would probably agree with, have to agree with you, man. I'm i I'm like cutting cartwheels inside. I just don't know how to make that known to everybody else around me. <laughs> well, you could always have the problem I have, which is you're just emotional about everything. And everybody, <laughs> everybody knows, everybody knows where you're at at all times. <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but now that we've brought this up about each other, maybe this becomes the podcast. We just talk about each other <laughs> in our, an hour, uh, an hour our long, our hour long intelligence <laughs> counseling one another. Oh man. On this, on this episode of the Larkast, Tony and Russ talk about each other's emotional intelligence. Yeah. Yep. But we will spare you our, our lovely audience of this endeavor. Instead, we got some cool stuff to unpack, dude. Can I just go ahead and say, man, that this podcast, the LARCast, the official podcast of LARC Ministries, probably need to say that somewhere, with your host, Tony and Russ. It's um, definitely official. It's very official. Very official. Uh, but on a serious note, man, like I know you get a lot of feedback, dude, and I get a lot of feedback. People are digging this, and it's, it's just it's encouraging. Totally, to- man. And I think what they're loving, man, is just seeing what just just these various things that Jesus has said and done that in so many camps, you know, gets buried, um, you know, under a list of, you know, checklists to keep and conditions to meet and and, and just to come along and say, yeah, dude, I know this sounds raw and it's going to be real, but man, this is what he actually said. And just let it sit there, man, and just let God do his work in it. It's been, it's just been encouraging, man. It's been encouraging to be a part of it. It's been encouraging to study and prepare and think and process and share, you know, what we're doing, but it's also just been really encouraging, man, to, to hear back from people that are going, thank you. I think one of the biggest compliments you can get about, you know, something you create is that it really stuck with them or that they were processing. Even if you land in a place where it's like, yeah, I don't think I really disagree or that like drove me into like studying further. And I ended up like maybe going like a different way than where you landed. Just the fact that the content is engaging enough to where it sticks with you for a couple of days. It's like after a really good movie. I'm not saying we're like making really good movies here in this podcast. I'm just saying, you know how like I always judge a good movie if I'm like the (laughs) next day, I'm like thinking about that thing. You know, I'm processing it. I'll share it with a couple of friends. Um, I might even disagree with the premise of, you know, the director, uh, the screenwriters, you know, whole like thing with the movie but it mm-hmm. stuck with me i'm processing i'm thinking i think that's one of the i think the biggest compliments you can get yeah i do in my in my family and in my upbringing it was uh food right 
like when you were going and like telling your buddies, you know, about this food that your mom just threw down, man. <laughs> I remember my friends, like fourth grade, they're like, bro, my, I'm, my mom made chicken nuggets and fries, man. Yeah, um, hamburger helper. Yeah. And they were like, and I was actually really excited about that. Uh, so I'm not tracking Russ with why you're like literally cutting cartwheels out here, you know, in the yard because mom threw together some homemade red beans and rice, dude, and collard greens and cornbread. It cooked all day. But, dude, I mean, there it is. I'm literally on this podcast right now talking about it. Your emotions are not hidden now. <laughs> no. My food, point is whether food it's movie and or arguments. food, movies or food, right? Either one. Like, when you experience something, man, that's just like that you can't help but talk about it. That's always just a really cool sign. Yep. So, amen. So, here we go. Um, another podcast on uh, the parables of Jesus. Uh, if you listened in last week, we're in Luke 15. There's a string of three parables in Luke 15. Last episode, we covered two of them. And this one that we're going to do today, the two lost sons, um, you might know it as the parable of the prodigal son. Um, but we we think it should be called the parable of the two lost sons. So the order would yeah. go uh, lost sheep, lost coin, and lost sons. Uh, this mm. one needed its own own podcast. And for the record, if you've been listening to uh, Larkcast from the beginning, um, we kicked it off with two podcasts, uh, Reckless Grace and Religious World. Is God really reckless and is the world really religious? In the podcast, Is God uh, Really Reckless? We we dive into this parable a little bit. Um, and so if you're thinking to yourself, oh man, like I already like listened to this thing, you know, um, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, spend my time listening to it again. I just want to say we're going to do like a, we're going to do a real deep dive <laughs> um, into the passage here. Whereas, like in, in prior, we kind of more shared like a you know five thousand foot view um, of the parable yeah. and really connected it to the reckless nature of God's love. But um, yeah, so here we yeah, go. Man, there's a there's a there's a well of there's, there's a there's a well of just beauty, man, in this in this story, dude. Yep. So yeah, buckle up. Check this out. Here we go. So last podcast, when I was reading the beginning of Luke 15, one, again, this, this intro to these parables in this chapter is going to be really, really important. I'm going to read it again. Luke 15, one. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. That is the context for these three parables. And that's going to be really, really important as we come to the end of um, this, uh, this passage here. But what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read and then we're just going to like, we're going to walk through it verse by verse and just kind of pause and stop and, and chat along the way. So here we go. Parable of the two lost sons, starting in verse 11 of Luke 15. If you're following along with Bible time with Russ and Tony, <laughs> Bible time. Yeah, some dude's like, name- uh, I'm, I'm working out right now. <laughs> Somebody else is like, I'm driving to work, but okay. <laughs> Bible time with Russ and Tony. Maybe so verse 11. Something like that. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. So notice the parable doesn't start off with, and there was a man who had this pain in the ass son, and he was a prodigal, right? It's a man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And the father divided his property between them. Pause, stop right there. This parable gets kicked off with just a shocking, culturally shameful moment of a son 
coming to his dad and saying, dad, I really can care less about you. I can Mm. care less about my relationship with you. I don't really care how you feel about me. All I want is what's coming to me when you die. This is basically like him saying, I wish you were just out of the picture. Just give me my stuff right now. As a dad, Russ, let me ask you something. As a dad, how painful do you think that would be hearing that from Blake or Eli? Yeah, it would, uh, it would hurt, man. I ain't gonna lie. I can't even really like, dude, I mean, it's, it's hurtful. You know, I'm not a professional dad, but I have been at it coming up on next month, 23 years. And I mean, it's, it's painful, dude. Anytime your kids even reject like something that you have to offer or when they reject like some you know piece of wisdom or advice that you might have because you're seeing something that's going on in their lives. Right. Hmm. And just to be clear, I did that even, you know, against my own father, which I remember being like 21 and saying to my dad, Hey, I feel like I was thinking about my life the other day. This is like just early on reflections. You know what I mean? That wasn't a normal thing for me growing up. But as I got older, I started to do it. And so I'm a, I'm a, like, an, I'm like, uh, I feel like the last 100 things you told me to, to do, I did opposite. And now I look back and you were right all 100 <laughs> times. <laughs> and I remember him looking at me and he goes, yeah, imagine that. <laughs> so, but, um, it's what my point is, is it's hurtful, man, when your kids just even reject something you have to offer mm. to be rejected to the point that your son looked at you and said, I wish you were dead. Mm. Cause that's what the son say. I wish you were yep, dead. Yep. Give me what's mine, which is yep. half of yours right now. So I can just get out of here. And I just dude, that would, uh, that'd be pretty crushing, man. Yeah. It's a, re- it's really a rejection of him himself. It's a rejection of his love. And in a very shocking move, the father grants his request. And in a middle Eastern context in a middle Eastern culture, a well-deserved backhand with the right hand is in store here for this younger son. Yeah, and dude. yet instead of getting a backhand, the father actually goes and liquidates the property in order to grant this request. Yeah. And so if for, let me just say this really fast for, for anybody that's new to this conversation, parables are stories about what God is like. Jesus is telling this parable, this story. Okay. And as Tony, as you said, at the beginning here of our podcast, um, he's, he's telling this story to a, a group of people where you have these very religious thinking do-gooders, you know what I mean? People that think that, you know, they've really arrived And they're sort of looking down their nose against Jesus because he's welcoming these sinners and tax collectors to the table and and telling them, man, you're loved Mm. and you belong. And let me tell you about what God's really like. Yeah. So that's, again, that's the crowd here. So to me, dude, it's like, it's like Jesus just goes right for the jugular, dude, right when he starts this story, because he's looking at these religious dudes, religious left and religious right, just to be clear, scribes and Pharisees. And he's telling them, man, like, and he's painting this picture of what God's like as someone who would, who would have people look at him and say, I wish you were dead. I don't want anything to do with you. Just give me what you have so that I can take it and go on my own way and achieve my own destiny. And to think that this father in this story liquidates half of what he has to grant this wish Yeah, in a culture where what you have determines who you are. That's the whole measure of success, dude. Right. So this so, guy is like putting his own self into this, you know what I mean? This lower camp now to grant oh, this request. Yes. Yeah, very of sacrificial this, of this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. On so many levels. So the word interesting, the word property here is bios, which really like it's it, it speaks to it's far deeper than just stuff. It speaks to their very life. Like mm-hmm. this is a ve- this is very sacrificial for him to do this. So not only not only that, but this is these kind of towns that they live in are like small Midwestern towns. 
you know, where like your graduating class was like 20 people. Everybody knows everybody's stuff. There's not a single thing going on with this family that all the neighbors don't know. And mm-hmm. so this shameful moment where this father grants this bratty, disrespectful, like the most insulting, unloving thing that this son could do is ask for this inheritance and publicly just disrespect his dad. And then for the dad to grant that request to really give him that freedom to embrace, okay, he doesn't want a relationship with me. He doesn't love me. And then the follow through with that, instead of following through with a backhand, which would have restored right respect for this father. Yeah. He does the opposite of that. And so you see real early on that this dad is willing to shame himself Mm -hmm. on his way to loving this son, right? So the the right off right out of the bat, like this parable is like just yeah. <laughs> it's 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 Jesus, dripping, the ma- dripping with drama. The master storyteller, man. Yeah. So he grants a request, and then verse thirteen it says this: Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there squandered. Underline that squandered his property in reckless living so this dude's ma- he's making it rain man he's yeah. got dough he's bar <laughs> hopping all his way yep. through the middle east um he's hitting uh you know bars strip clubs uh <laughs> the horse track and if you think i'm stepping out of bounds with uh the strip club thing just wait till later on when you see uh what the older brother has to say about him but he's going man he's picking up the tab for everybody i'm sure he's picking up a bunch of friends along the way oh um, i'm sure yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I can I can imagine being a young dude and seeing that and be like, yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go ride with that cab for a while. <laughs> but he squanders everything. Like he gets everything that his father gives him, he blows through it in in no time. And so that's that that's kind of like the first bad thing that happens to this this younger son. He's he blows through everything. And then here comes the second thing: a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So mm-hmm. not only does he blow through all of his stuff, he's in a bad way, but there a famine arises. Now everyone around him is in a bad way too. So now there's, now there's a famine um, in the land. So verse 15. So he went, notice this, this is important. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. Just make note of that word hired right there. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. So three bad things happen. And the last is the worst of them all. One, he blows through all the dough Two, a famine rises across the land. So no, everybody's hurting right now. And the only job he can find, which he hires himself out for is tending pigs. And for a young Jewish man, how shameful is that? (laughs) Yeah. Especially a young, wealthy Jewish man, (laughs) right? right? He's feeding (laughs) an animal that they can't even partake in because they believe it is unclean, Mm -hmm. right? The lowest of the low. I mean, it's just, it's just bad. This guy's situation went from, you know, good, all his inheritance to the worst. So he's at a low, 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 low place. Now verse 17, this is an important moment in the story because this dude comes to the end of his rope and he's going to try to fix this situation. And it's really important how we frame verses 17 and um, 18, because a lot of people who grew up in the church hearing these next two verses um, heard it, I think, in a different way than I think Jesus is portraying it. So it says in verse 17, but when he came to himself, stop, 
this is usually the point of the parable where people are like, oh, look, he came to, he came to the end of his rope. He realized, dude, I've really screwed up. I came to, and this is his big, sorrowful, repentant, um, just, man, I'm, I'm bummed out. I finally get it. I finally have perspective on life now. I finally get how much my dad loves me. I finally get just how much I effed up and he comes to himself. But notice what he says. But when he came to himself, he says, how many of my father's hired servants? So he's hiring himself out in a distant country. And then he's thinking about those who get paid by his dad, their hired servants. How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I'm hungry. And these guys are making bank while working for my dad. Bam. Here comes his second bright idea. His first bright idea was to go tell his dad, I wish you were dead. Give me all your inheritance, (laughs) which is not a very good plan to get rich. The second one is he says, I'm going to go to my father. I will rise and go to my father. And I will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven. And before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So here's his plan. His plan is to go back and to become a hired servant a paid craftsman. So contrast that idea of servant with doulos and diakonos, which are like two other words for servant. So doulos is like this willful slave, this willful servant in a home that kind of is like you're taken care of, but you're definitely like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're definitely like a slave to the master. Mm-hmm. And diakonos is like, this just like a table, like waiter, you know, kind of a thing. This is different. This is like a subcontractor. This is like someone who lives on the property, but you're paid, you're independent, you're autonomous. He doesn't want to come back into the home. He wants to be a paid person on his dad's property, still earning his way through life. So his big plan is like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go just, I'm going to go pay it off. I'm going to go, I'm going to go still make money basically. Yeah. He's his mind still on dough. Yes. His mind is still on himself. His mind is still on the better in his situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, he's, he's be- like, Hey, you know, that guy crapped on man to kind of get started on this journey. I'm on. Yeah. You know what? I think I'm just going to go back to that dude. Basically just tell him like, Hey, I'm still after money. I just, this time, can I just work for you and you still leave me alone and I'll just have a house over here. Cause that's better than me living with these pigs that I'm eating with. Yeah. Yeah. That's very different than the story you often hear within church circles. Right. Okay. That's uh, and what's cool is I, I love those words that are in the scriptures, especially in the original text is it actually helps us see like, this is what Jesus said. Okay. When Jesus tells stories about what God's like, he doesn't get the golf clap. He doesn't get the well done. I love that pastor. Thank you so much. When he's done, anyone who's religious is plotting his murder. Yeah. You're immediately scandalized. You're immediately challenged. You're immediately thrown into a crisis situation of, dude, what do I do with this really, this insane, um, just difficult, difficult message. This isn't someone who's sorrowful for what he's done against his father and lays out a plan. He's going to go back home and just give himself to his dad and all that he desires. This is a dude who's still thinking about himself, what he can do, how he can be independent, He's still after money. And his plan is just to go back and see if he can't weasel his way into this deal. So really quick, someone I can hear him saying right now, whoa, 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 wait, dude. In verse 18, it's, he says like part of his speech is like, father, I've sinned against heaven. And before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Like 
is that that seems genuine. That seems authentic. That seems kind of like repentant until you realize that that's exactly what Pharaoh said in Exodus 10, 16, after the eighth plague, literally almost verbatim, Pharaoh says, he, he rushes, rushes to Moses and Aaron and is like, dude, please make these plagues stop. Yeah, please, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. Please make it stop. Yeah, just go on your way. Just just be gone from me. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And I've it's been the, there, just to be clear. I've totally. been there many times in my life. Totally. Um, I guess what we're ultimately saying here is stop turning this into this beautiful, genuine, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, apology and desire to to make all things right again, man. Mm-hmm. It's, and I think I think that's what Jesus is showing us. Mm. It's just the true frailty, man, and self-centered nature of, of, of humanity here, man. So the younger son is his mind's on his money and his money's on his mind, right? Like he originally wrote gin and juice here um he's got he's got dough he's thinking of his situation he wants to improve it so this is his plan he's going to go back he's going to give this like speech to his dad and he's gonna right get back to you know earning 45 dollars an hour um with benefits right on his dad's property so in verse 20 it says and he arose and came to his father so he starts making his way back home. Now, again, mind you, these are small villages. Yeah. If this is like a small Midwest town with one road that comes into the town and one road going out, this son coming back home would have been a very, very public thing. So just like his denouncing dad, taking half the inheritance and leaving was a public thing. Mm -hmm. You're saying that him making his way back home, everyone's seeing this. This too is public. Yeah, this is everything that happens with this family. Everybody is very, very aware of. So he arose, he comes to his father, but notice, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So Russ, let me ask you a question. If you had a son who basically looked you dead in the eye and said, I really don't care about you. I wish you were dead. I want you to go through the painful um. I want you to go through the painful process of liquidating your bios, your entire life around my, my bratty, disrespectful request, split everything to the, to your own detriment. You then give me that inheritance. You then walk back into town, not with the clothes of success because you've made something of yourself with this money I've given you, but you wear your defeat on you. Your pig smelling, right? Mm. Crap smelling, farm smelling clothes. You walk back in. Would you rush to that son? Or would you would you withhold your love wanting to know if you're genuinely, if your son was genuinely sorrowful and yeah. repentant? I would say just based off what I've seen at play in my own life, I've never had anything like that happen with my sons, but or my or my daughter. But I've seen uh you know, I've had like interactions with people that I've worked with, man, or friends in the past and to see them come back around. And I found myself being hesitant until something was was clear, mm. right? I found myself being protected, protective, I guess you yeah. could say. Sure. Uh, right. You don't want to get hurt again. You don't want to get, you know, you don't want to go through the, the shame of loss again. Um, so I would say, man, just based off what I've seen, no, you'd, no probably, I you'd probably be mixed. I'd be mixed. Like I'd be glad that he was okay. Yeah. Um, Cause you probably spend a lot of you're bouncing back and forth between like love, but then also like hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely very guarded, 
hand up like let's see what this is let's see what this is about but you see this this father he he, he just spends his love yeah. like with no hesitation whatsoever he sees him off from afar he hikes up his first century gear i don't know like girds up his loins Mm-hmm. Right. So all of his like hairy Jewish legs are on full display for this village. And he races out to his son yeah, and bro. embraces him with a kiss. Yeah. Got the Midwest Jesus mandals on. <laughs> the ones with like running. the white stitching. The stitching stands out. Yep. Just just running, bro. And again, this is a, I just keep reiterating this, but it's just one more sign of like of just being reminded that this is a story Jesus is telling about what God is like. Yeah. And it's just so opposite, man, of anything we know or seen. Because, I mean, we've done, a, I feel like you've done a good job of really unpacking all that this son is, has done. And the, the idea that his father would see him and then run him. Wealthy Jewish men in that day and time did anything but run. Right. Okay. That was, yeah, you're uh, the patriarch. You're a dignitary. You, yeah. you would kind of reserve right your oh, yeah. compassion and your love because you've been burned. Yep. Yeah, man. Just the, just the picture of him running to him. Just, it's just, just it's another knock on his status. Yeah, right? the father said, yeah, on the father's status in that in that culture, man. Like, wait a second, he did all that, and now he sees him. He just and he's running. What? Mm-hmm. It seems that's what it, he does, you, man. You come across as as desperate, as weak. This is a yeah. this again. This is the second shameful thing that this father does in yeah. public. And then he gets to the son, right? Like he he greets him, man. How does he greet him? He embraced him and kissed him. Yeah. And in verse 21, it says, and the son said to him, so here's the son's big moment, right? Where he's going to like get out this whole like speech, this plan. And the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven. And before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And just before he can get out the big negotiation of becoming a hired servant, the father just stops him. He says, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to party just like Mm. in the lost sheep party, just like in the lost coin party, party, lost sons. Party. party this father is down to party, party. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't even hear his speech he's just he's so glad his son is back and he restores yeah. him he puts on the robe he puts on the ring he kills the fattened calf he calls him my son he restores this son back to his rightful place as mm. his son did he deserve yeah. it no but it's his son yeah man it's it's a it's a <laughs> it's a tremendous picture of, of just God's grace, man. His his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance, his joy, his desire to party, right? His hope to see people come home. It's pretty fitting, it seems like, since Jesus kept repeatedly telling everyone, I came to seek and save that which is lost. Yeah. I came to set the captives free. Mm-hmm. I came to give my life as a ransom. This is his mission, man. This is what he's about. This is what he's doing in the world. And, you know, you look at this, you know, this, this, this guy comes home and he's got nothing. And it's like, you know, immediately the father is saying to him, which I think sometimes we miss this when he puts the ring on his hand and he puts, you know, the robe on his right on his back and the shoes on his feet. These are all signs of the family that he belongs to. Right. Okay. These are all signs of inheritance. So when the father does that in this moment, he's, He's basically looking at this son who took half of what he had and squandered it 
And in this moment, he's giving him now half of what he had left. Right. It's just like, it's, it's like, it's, it's just mind blowing. And he does all this before there's any like apology or laid mm -hmm. out plan for restoration or some, you know, to do list that he's going to now keep because, you know, if he can just be, you know, welcome back in. And I know people are like, yeah. well, he said, father, I sin, you know, that's an apology. And I'm like, eh, it's more like a confession than it is an apology and a request for forgiveness. Yeah. Again, it, I'll go back. Like Pharaoh said those exact same words in yeah. a moment of desperation and panic. Yeah. Yeah. And if anything, if you want to try to like play around with that and massage it into some form of clear apology, okay, cool. Run with that one. Well, here's the thing that you can't run with. He offered no plan. He offered, he, he was never able to get out. You know what I mean? The thing that we always demand from people. Oh, you want to come back into my graces? You want to come back and like try to restore this relationship? Okay, cool. Well, here's a list of conditions I need you to meet. And here's a checklist that I'm going to need you to keep. And we're going to do this for a season. And if you hold up your end of the deal, then I think we can begin to move towards restoration. Right. Dude, we see that everywhere in society right now, especially mm -hmm. with the things that are going on in our world. Every social cause has their conditions and their checklist. Mm -hmm. And sadly, for some damn reason, the church oftentimes has their conditions and their checklist. And meanwhile, I'm looking at Jesus who's <laughs> showing us, yeah, God not only hasn't brought those to you, he doesn't seem interested in them. He just seems interested in you. It's like, I don't think this father... Is not he's he's really not dialed in on his own protection. He's yeah. not really dialed in on you know his own you know well being. We see that not only does he you're saying like he, he liquidates the assets, but then restores them right off the bat, and then throws the biggest freaking party this town's ever seen. Yeah, like he just the, the father calf. <laughs> the, the father keeps spending. Yeah. He keeps spending. Yep. And so it's like okay, yeah, we look at this younger son, he's squandering in reckless living. He's spending, it's all gone, but the father is outspending the son. Mm. And you just see this, this father just with like, just the love, man. Again, the love, the love God is love friends. He doesn't have it in abundance. He doesn't yeah. have a surplus. He is love. Yeah. And when it's something that's part of your nature, it, it just is what you do. Yeah. And there's a limitless supply of it. Kind of like that, uh, kind of like that farmer that was throwing out seed lavishly in and among places that made zero sense in that parable that we talked about back in like episode four or five. Right. It's very fitting. This is, this is endless to him, man. It's who he is. It's what he does. It's what he's like. So when you contrast the father's response, especially in light of what we've seen about this younger conniving right son, who's just always like looking to work an angle. He still cares not for the father. His yeah. whole plan was to come and like work out a contract to be a hired servant. And the father loves him still. When you yeah. make that whole scene like a repentance moment, you sanitize this, you sanitize this parable. It's no yeah. longer scandalous. It just is mm -hmm. one plus one equals two. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, he was sorry. The dad's a pretty decent dude, right? He's going to welcome him back. When you see that at the heart of this younger son was not an acknowledgement of the pain right? The shame that he's brought on this family and actually casting himself onto and solely the mercy and character of this father. You see like the, this love and this move is, mm. um, it just shines all the brighter. But after this party happens, now the scene, it shifts yeah. in verse 25. 
And a lot of people miss this because we focus on the prodigal because that'll preach, right? Yeah. And in verse 25, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music dancing. So this 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 party, dude, is he hired a DJ, no doubt, yeah. um, at least sure. a band, at least a band. And he hears music. He hears dancing, the, the commotion of it all. And he called out to one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant says to the older brother, your brother has come home. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Notice that word receive. What was the, what was the thing that they were hating about Jesus? This man receives sinners, right? And eats with them. Mm-hmm. He's receiving the son. This parable is nothing more than what Jesus is actually doing as these Pharisees have their arms folded, eyebrows down, and they're pissed. In fact, enter the Pharisees into the story because just as the Pharisees are mad, right? Watching Jesus eat with tax collectors and sinners. So this older son is mad that the father welcomes the son back home and throws a party in his favor. So now this, this older son begins to just get indignant and just pissed that he is. So he says, your father, right? Your brothers come home um, and your father's received him back safe and sound. Verse 28, but he was angry and refused to go in. Now I want you to just pause and think about this little phrase that he was angry and refused to go in. I wouldn't say it's as shameful as the younger son coming and saying, give me my inheritance now, but it's still shameful. Imagine a father throwing a party in honor of something that he seems as worthy and good. And you're a son in this family. You represent this family, but you're standing outside of the party. And instead of laughter And instead of joyful dancing and following along with the heart of your father, you have your arms folded and you're you're, literally everyone sees you standing off in the distance, just red hot mad. Mm. It's as shameful. It's 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 a public shame. This older son is bringing onto this father. So just as the father should have given a backhand to the younger son, right? Maybe in this case, a scolding, a rebuking. Maybe at best an ignoring of this older brother, but no, what does the dad do? Mm. His father came out and entreated him. And I just imagine, I just imagine it going like this. Jesus is eating meals. He's sitting down with tax collectors and sinners. He sees the Pharisees just mad across the way. And they're They're just, they're like, their eyes are locked in on him and they are angry. Just like this older son is angry. And Jesus gets up from the party, right? The party of his grace, the party of the community that he's forming with tax collectors and sinners. And he goes out to them to entreat them, to share them these parables, just like this father gets up from the head of the table with a glass of Merlot in hand. Maybe he leaves his drink down. He leaves his meal. He leaves the dancing to come out and contend with this son. (laughs) Dude, it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And I, I think that you're right. And that keep bringing it back to the context of what's going on when Jesus tells this story and who it is that's listening. Because everything he's telling about what God is like and everything that he's and how he's describing him through the lens of how he's responded to this younger brother. It's all been geared and aimed at helping the helping these Pharisees and these scribes that are in and around him realize that's you too. Yeah. Yep. And yet this is still what my father is like toward you, mm-hmm. but you're missing this and in such missing life itself. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like on one hand, we look at it as like, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm going to stick it to him. But it seems more like out of love, Jesus is telling these stories to help them awaken to reality, man. Yeah. They've bought a myth about 
what God is like and what he demands and who they are and how they've arrived and how all the, you know, they're in because of what they, what they think and what they say and what they don't say and what they do and what they don't do. Very much like the movements that we see today, man. Mm. Right. Religion's everywhere, dude. It's everywhere. Um, and I, and I think like seeing that man, like whether it's today or even backing up in this context, it's like, that's the context in which Jesus is speaking to. That's, this is what he's revealing. And I think he's doing it out of an act of grace and love for these guys. Totally. Um, Cause you know, again, you back up and look at it. Jesus t- reveals that the father is one who endures the shame of liquidating half his assets to grant his son's selfish requests. He then runs to meet this younger brother. Okay. Who shamed him. Mm-hmm. which is another act of public humiliation. But then he also is one who gets up from the party to go beckon the older brother, this self-righteous do-gooder that thinks he's actually arrived, okay, to share with him, which is also another public shaming, man, that mm-hmm. comes from this from this father's work in yep. his son's lives. Dude, God is he is He's far more um he's far more gracious dude than I, than I think we uh we can even grasp or imagine. If it's, you start if you like, start I, I don't from have the premise, words for it. <laughs> yeah, if you start from the premise of I think we constantly are underestimating God and his love, I think that's a pretty yeah. safe place to uh to view the scriptures through yeah. and God himself through. And what's hard about the older son is his his wickedness, his brokenness, his sin I think is harder to see because it's masked in like what a good son would do. He didn't leave. He's doing his job, right? He has all these things, but Jesus here in this parable, he goes beneath the surface a little bit. And this party, the grace itself exposes the heart of Mm -hmm. the older son, the love and the grace, the un like the undeserved party, the ill-deserved party of the, of the younger son exposes the real wickedness. And notice what he says, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command, right? Always dialed in on just the letter of the law, or at least how they see the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Notice in the mind of the older brother, the party that he would have with this, this goat that he would get that was do him because of his good behavior. The father's not invited to that party. The father is not invited to the, the imagined party that this older brother has in his head with his buds. Yeah. So you see the younger son and the older son actually have the same sin. They care not for the father. They want yes. nothing to do with him. It's a very, they, their sin is different. One is in this like very like squandering public, like rebellion. And the other is in this quiet earning working. I just want your stuff, but I'm going to go about it like this methodical do good way. Neither yep. of them want the father. They're both rebellion. Yep. They neither one of them want anything to do with the father. Both love themselves. Both think they can control their own destiny and want independence of the father. Mm-hmm. Both are equally dead and dying um, in their sin. They're just dying in two different directions. One yeah. is dying in his rebelliousness. The other one is dying in his self righteousness. But they're both equally dead and pursue right, and we're pursuing that death. Mm-hmm. Which is why, you know, like Tim Keller came along, you know, years ago and said, hey, the word prodigal means reckless. And we misname this parable because the story is not about the younger brother. And the story is not about the older brother. The story is about what the father is like. And it's him who is reckless mm-hmm. in his grace and love toward us. He's the prodigal. Yep. And dude, that's that's pretty mind-blowing, man, when you pull back and look at that. Because, you know, I think, so, you know, just to... 
to help anybody who might find themselves wrestling with being this older brother and feeling like that's their character. You know, um, I think we've all been there. I, I spent, I would say the definitely a good 20 years, man, uh, as the younger brother. And then I, within ministry do definitely moved into that older brother nature. Isn't that crazy how that happens and started to really, you know, dive into some of these teachings back in like 2013 being like, man, how did I, how did I get to this place? So just to, you know, just to just point to this, I think the older brother, man, like whether it's then or even now, like his getting up and protesting this, this indiscriminate grace, we think that the, that, that our protests are moral. We think that they're needed and we think that they're effective. Hmm. Because we believe that we are right because of our doing. And we believe that what we're doing is what matters. And we believe that, that what we're doing is what will change our lives or our friends or our community or even the world. And Jesus seems to come in and tell us, no, I know that makes sense. And most of the world has bought this myth, this lie of religion, but it's not what God's like. And those aren't actually the things at the core of what matters. You know, at the center of Christianity, I think sometimes we forget, at the center of Christianity is a cross. The center of Christianity is trusting in the work that God accomplished on the cross of Christ. Hmm. All right. At the center of the Christian life is the ongoing receiving and giving forgiveness. I really am convinced of this in studying the scriptures in 20 something years now in ministry at the center of Christianity is trusting in the cross. And at the center of the Christian life is my ongoing need for forgiveness from those that are in and around me and my ongoing giving of forgiveness to those that are in and around me. Because when you put humans together, they bump into each other. They sin against each other. So practicing forgiveness really is at the heart of Christianity. Mm -hmm. I should say at the heart of the Christian life. Yeah. And I think so much of what goes on that, that goes on wrongly and hurtful in the name of church or ministry is our unbelief in these two realities, man. We're constantly taking this thing and turning it into something that it's not mm. and thus missing the very heart of God and what he's invited us into. So, and cheers, cheers to this story, dude. Yeah. But just to finish it out really quick, that's just, that's so good, man. Um, I just, if you find yourself being frustrated by the way that Jesus is describing the heart of God and this grace, dude, you're in good company. Like, look at this younger, this older brother is just completely and totally enraged by this yeah. move of the father. You know, I've, I've served you. I've never disobeyed a command. You've never given me a goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him, yeah. right? You're doing this. You're literally spending your time like this. You literally would just let sinners just skate free, just forgive sin, like carte blanche, just across the board and just reconcile the cosmos and just let injustices go and just sin go and hurts go. And just everybody just gets to hear one word from you. It's finished. Forgiveness of sins. If you're scandalized by that, if you're frustrated by that, dude, you're in good company because that doesn't sit well with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, I would concur to that, man. And I think it it definitely surfaces most of my life when I'm face to face with something that's happened against me or something that's happened that I've seen or experienced against someone else that I'm just you know furious by. But it's in the moments, man, where I look in the mirror that my frustration with that indiscriminate grace turns to gratitude. It's in those moments that I realize I'm like, damn, dude, here I am withholding love and mercy and grace and forgiveness from these people. Yeah. Um. 
And all the while, that was never withheld from me. Yep. My sin might look different, right. but at the core of it, dude, is still self-reliance, a desire for independence, a pursuit yeah. of my own destiny apart from him who is the maker of all things. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, that's, that's just reality, bro. Yeah. I had a moment like that this week because I'm, I'm watching a good friend um, just sabotage his family right now. Mm. Um, like at every turn, you know, just, just making just the, the, the worst moves in hardness of heart. And I had this just moment of like anger, right? And rightfully so. Yeah. But in that, right? As I'm like eyes locked in on this person, just so angry, the Lord was just so good to remind me of the own my own ways. Mm-hmm. I've sabotaged my own life and the people around me and hurt them. Um and it's it, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact, you know, it doesn't dismiss the hurt. It just mm. gives you a humility to know that, oh, I'm an object of mercy. I've been shown I've been shown grace. Yeah. I definitely just, you know, to and to know that our father is always willing to party. Mm. Is always willing to party and is always willing to celebrate because what when you when you party and when you celebrate, there's a carefree aspect to that. You can only really enjoy yourself at a party when you when you're not worrying about the cares of the world and when you know that in your cosmic plan that you're going to drop every sin every injustice every hurt every wrong down the black hole of your son's death and deal with everything for all time in a single act and do it yourself justly do it yourself take care of it in yourself yep only knowing that allows you to be like fully present and having a heart to celebrate that's all. When everything's taken care of and everything's yeah. good, all you have left to do is party. I would say this too, man, just, just to bring this up is it also, it's not just that it frees you up in that regard. It even frees you up from the opinions of everyone in and around you, not getting what you're doing hmm. or not buying into it or not being able to rejoice in it. Cause I think sometimes like we almost can withhold from being able to meet people where they are, love people as they are, offer grace to people, no matter what, offer forgiveness, you know, despite what they've done against us and just drop it all, man, in the good name of what Jesus has done in his death and resurrection and party with people. I think sometimes the thing that keeps us from that man is what other people will think about us, Hmm. you know? So there's like, there's a freeing up of being able to enter into this because you know what you're going to accomplish, but there's even this freedom that it gives you from the opinions of others, dude. When Jesus tells these stories, he's telling them right in front of the religious crowd for them to hear it. <laughs> and when he walks through these stories of, of shame on this father's part and what he's done and what he's endured to meet his sons where they are, right? He, he doesn't do this under the guise of night. Mm. He doesn't do this in a way that like will secretly move around their, their, their pushbacks, you know what mm. I mean? And hopes that maybe they'll then like grab on. No, man, he just like lays it out there right in front of them. It's it's like the story with Zacchaeus, you know, which is one that's really easy to forget about or miss. Zacchaeus is a playboy in Jesus's day. Hmm. This is a dude who's, who's, who's gone to work, man, for the Roman Empire. He's made an insane amount of money. Talks about off him extortion. Being like this. Yeah, off extortion. He's, he's, are you ready for this? He's an unjust dude who's committing gross acts of injustice on a regular basis and getting rich in the process. He's like that villain that everybody right now like really loves to hate. And he talks about me like this wee little man and Jesus is coming through his town. And the, you know, the story is like, you find it in Luke 19. This like, this dude runs up a tree so he can see Jesus, you know, because he can't see him. And Jesus sees this cat and literally in front of everyone, 
Everyone. sinners and the tax collectors, the disciples who think they're, they're the ones that are now figuring it out. They're the ones that are on the end. You know what I mean? The Pharisees and the scribes of other, you know, the guys like, no, 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 we're the religious ones. We are the ones that got it right. All these camps are present, dude. And in front of all of them, Jesus looks at this dude that everyone hates, that everyone is disassociating themselves from in the name of obtaining their status. And Jesus says, you know what, dude, I'm coming to your house today. To dine with someone is to accept them in the Jewish culture, yep. especially if you're a rabbi. Yep. Jesus is pointing to this dude and saying, you belong, and I'm coming to your house to celebrate and eat with you today. Yep. And he does it right in front of everyone. He's got nothing, he's got nothing to lose, dude, because he's got nothing to prove. Yep. It's the ultimate freedom. In a day and age where it's in vogue to disassociate yourself from people who have the stain the stigma of brokenness, right? Yep. However you want to frame that. Or they're in the right camp or the left camp or the middle camp or whatever it is, man. Throw it in there. In a, in a day and age where it's in vogue to disassociate yourself, Jesus points a finger at the one person everyone hates and says, I'm coming to your place, man. And yeah. he associates himself with those people. Yeah, dude. With Zacchaeus. And it's just very fitting to me in this story. So it just kind of points to not just what it is that we've bought some of these lies about what God is like and what life is about and what we need to do to obtain the righteousness to dwell with him. Jesus blows all of that out of the water, dude, in this, in this story of this, of these two, right. Of these two brothers and how the father pursued them. And, uh, and he does it publicly he does it freely because it's just that good, man. And it's really true quick. and it's needed and amen for it. Yeah. Just to wrap up. He says to the he says to the older son at the end of this parable. Um, he says, "Son, you're always with me." A son who really doesn't want anything to do with the relationship with his dad. His eye is on you know goats and inheritances, just like his younger son or his younger brother. He says, "Son, you've always been with me. Mm. I'm here. I love you." Right? And he says this outside of the party. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found found and i love what i love what capen says he says the father gets up from the party and goes out to contend with the older brother and for 2000 years the father's been sitting there in that same field contending with that older brother <laughs> trying <laughs> trying to convince him that his love is enough his grace is enough his yep. son is enough just put down the arms folded raise the eyebrows come Oh, stop standing on the other side of the road, glaring in and just put it down, man, and come join the party. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, man. So good. Well, this has been a long one. It has, but it's been good, dude. It's been needed. And there's just so much depth there. It's sometimes you just got to, you got to, you got to take a podcast and say, Hey man, you're going to be able to listen to this one on the way to work and on the way home. <laughs> amen for it. So what well, we're wrapping up and that's it for today until next week. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers.